1: founder of newsletters.co, the place to discover newsletters and gain subscribers. Based in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, I'm a self-taught marketer, self-taught everything, I didn't go to college. So going from being a diesel mechanic to working in tech, that was a crazy jump. But the first thing that I knew that I wanted to do was connect with people and having an email newsletter and that being a channel that I knew that people were gonna be reading on the other side was powerful for me in the beginning of my career. Basically, just kept hold of that. And uh, essentially, I wanted to have this idea of creating an environment for people to thrive in. And that's what newsletters are for me. So when I create a newsletter, there's an intention of this person's going to be reading it on the other side. I know who they are. I know what they are going to be interested in. I'm going to find the content, the resources, the best practices, or I'm going to create the content using data or anecdotes or telling stories that is going to add value to their life. And that's basically why I love newsletters.
0: And can you walk us through so many people try to have newsletters and they're not successful? I mean, right now, like it just seems like the world is like gravitating to Substack to have a paid newsletter, but then so many people don't like fail at it. So how are you able to have a successful newsletter and what can we expect from newsletter.co? Is it newsletter or newsletters?
1: Newsletters. Newsletter was taken. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people, one, are afraid to start a newsletter in general, right? Like once you start a newsletter, there's, there's a commitment that you're making to the people that become subscribers. And that, you know, it's, it's a full time thing, whether you're curating content or creating original content, you have to always be producing. So that's a barrier because it's, it's hard. Substack is really interesting. It's opened the doors for a lot of people because there was also a technical barrier to starting a newsletter, setting up a landing page, setting, you know, getting familiar with MailChimp or other email service providers. But Substack has made it really easy because you can just sign up for an account and you already have a newsletter, essentially. You just have to write some content, press send. So I think it's a really exciting time for newsletters But I also think that, you know, other platforms, MailChimp, ConvertKit, tons of other ones still have a lot of potential and, you know, they shouldn't be overlooked.
0: And walk us through, like, can you give us some of your accolades of why you are the newsletter master as well as, yeah, why would we go to newsletters.co?
1: Yeah. So uh, some of my accomplishments, I would say, are, you know, my first newsletter startup list. I grew that from nothing to fifteen thousand subscribers. And that actually led it to being sold to Mattermark, where I got hired as their first marketing hire. And on day one, I filled out my benefits paperwork and Daniel Morrill, the CEO, said, Okay, send the newsletter. I really didn't know how it was structured, what was going on, how to do it, but I wrote it and I press send. So from that day on for nearly three years, I wrote this daily newsletter and I grew it from roughly 5,000 subscribers in the beginning to over 110,000 subscribers 3 years later and a lot of that, you know, was basically built on working with the community as a partner in the newsletter creation. I needed to, you know, invite them to contribute to the newsletter so it would help me curate it with quality content. And I think that's part of the secret of what The Mattermark Daily's you know, magic was, is that the community felt like they had a voice in what was being published, because every day I would say, if you have content to share, or if you have any recommendations, feel free to reply to this email or email me directly, you know, 10 to 20 people per day would send in quality content. And I would go through an editorial process of picking and choosing, what can we feature? What do we have space for, you know, or if it's more in-depth uh, content, then I would work with them to develop it into a blog post and we would feature that blog post on, you know. And so it turned into this community-driven, community-curated publication uh, that actually wasn't just me.
2: Hi, my name is Puno. I'm the founder of I Love Creatives, which is a place to get edutained and the co-founder of peoplemap.co, an Instagram marketing tool where you can grow strategically and build community. I'm based in downtown Los Angeles. Originally, of course, I thought it was going to be agencies or brands, but it's kind of incredible. It's it's a split 25, 25, 25, like 25% of the people are just people. Some people have an idea of what they want to do, but they kind of don't. Like some people are just like, I just need to learn and I need to figure it out. Then 25% are like brands. The other 25% are um, agencies. It's it's really not a lot. And then the other 25% are these things called communities. They're just like cohorts of people. I would almost consider women in tech as a community. community.
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying. Completely.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're just like they're—they know that this is the way that they can grassroots grow, and as opposed to like knocking on doors, going to a thousand events, you can literally just you know network and attend the biggest conference ever. Totally.
0: How big is People Map, and how big is I Love Creatives?
2: What do you mean by big?
0: How many people are on your staff? How long have they been around?
2: People Map is just Daniel and I. And then I Love Creatives, five employees and a ton, a ton of contractors.
0: And are you able to share a little bit for both about uh, how many customers or ha- you have or how many people
2: are in your community? With uh, I Love Creatives, gosh, honestly, I, I don't know. I think we have like 40,000 emails. But what's more important for me is we have like over a thousand students now. And with People Map, I don't even know. honestly, I don't keep track anymore, but it's not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and you
0: haven't raised money for either,
2: right? Oh, no, I'm a bootstrapper a hundred percent for now. I think until I like know that I can ten x or I can really grow, then I would take investment. but uh, otherwise, I just I don't really like that pressure.
0: Go ahead. Tell us, like, why Los Angeles? Are you from L.A.?
2: No, I am from Houston, Houston, Texas.
0: And when did you move to L.A.?
2: I moved 2006. So I came here, you know, I had a job in advertising. I was at Tribal DDB. And then my uh, husband had moved out to L.A. already. And then I was like, I want to go out there. I was done with Texas. And so transferred over and love it. And I think, you know, when I first moved to LA, I was in the advertising world. So I was in Venice. I worked at DDB, which is where Google is now. And then eight years later, I was at Activision as a UX UI designer for Call of Duty for like three years and then left my job. And my husband and I were like, let's do our own thing. And then Moved to downtown LA because things were happening here. And I found myself driving from Venice to downtown LA at least twice a week. What? And so, yeah, yeah.
0: What? No. Yeah. Like you should be the like PR person for downtown LA.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, happily. I love downtown um, LA.
0: <laughs> like what's it? I mean, but Venice is where it's at, right? So is it not? Like, what what are we missing?
2: You're missing. Oh, it's a different world. So when I left my job, my work friends were all in Venice. My work friends were all on the West Side. When you don't work on a nine to five, I feel like you want to get lunch with people, and most of those people don't live in Venice or at least, you know, aren't in my income level. (laughs) So, so, I mean, everybody that I was meeting on the east side of LA was just, there was just a lot more freelancers. There were a lot more small business entrepreneurs. And I'm not saying that, I mean, I I find a lot of those people in, in, on the west side too. I already lived in eight years in Venice. I loved Venice. It was great. You know, I think that like I was just ready to see other parts of LA and I could see myself moving to another part of LA in like another four years, you know? Because it's like
0: they're all so different. Yeah. So different. Yeah.
2: It's great. This
3: is Kim Kohatsu, founder of Charles Ave Marketing. We're Madison Ave for small businesses and startups based out of West Adams. Well, I'll back up quite a ways. I'm not from California originally. I grew up on the East Coast. And it was a job about 15 years ago that brought me out to California. And I lived and I worked in Orange County for a while because, you know, I'm from the D.C. suburbs. I kind of assumed that Orange County was to L.A. what my town Springfield, Virginia is to DC and boy, was I wrong. So I spent a couple of years living in uh, Orange County and I just had to get out of there. I hated it. And I moved to Culver City because that was where I'll be totally honest that there was this bar that I, I still hang out at to this day. And I wanted to just be near that bar. And so I was living in Culver City and I love Culver City and I still love Culver City, but I decided to buy a house and this was back in 2016 And I had never heard of West Adams either. I don't know. Some people don't consider Culver City the west side, but I do. And I'm very like west side snobby, but I can't afford anything there. And I got to know this neighborhood that is very cool. I mean, my house was built um, in 1920. So it's an old neighborhood, but my street is gorgeous. Like it's idyllically lined with palm trees. And when I say it's idyllic, I mean it gets closed off all the time for video shoots because this is the picture people have of LA in their minds you can drive down my street and you see all of these like beautiful craftsman houses all of these gorgeous palm trees, and I think what is happening to a lot of the restaurants and really cool places that we will hopefully someday be able to go into again, they can't afford the rents, you know, in in all of those West Side locations, and so they're, they're moving further east. And so, yeah, West Adams is definitely very up and coming, very hip, but not hip like hipster, like it's not obnoxious yet. I'm sure it'll get there eventually, but it's not there yet. So it is a very cool area. Like where I'm at is a neighborhood called Jefferson Park specifically. It's very cool and and it's very close to everything. I mean, even though I just admitted I have a West Side bias, I've, I've also learned to really appreciate Koreatown. I think it's really awesome and I still am close enough to my Culver City bar to go there all the time and I love it.
0: And recently, you're now running the marketing and advertising kind of events category, contributing to the Forbes Business Council. Tell us more about that. Definitely. So I joined the Forbes Business Council when it launched in LA, I
3: believe in 2018. It was a a new network that's nationwide. And I think in the interest of trying to make it more valuable for members, they are starting to do more micro communities. So There is this Los Angeles chapter, which, you know, before COVID, we could meet in person and we could have events in person with speakers. But what I think was happening, it was such a broad array of expertise and, you know, types of business that it was almost too general. And so what they're doing now is they're starting um, more micro communities, one of which I'm the chair of, and that is the PR and marketing segment. So it's just getting going. It's a brand new thing, but they're also doing it for things like HR and other kinds of um, segments like that so that we can connect with you know, people in, in our um, industry that are kind of going through the same things that we are.
0: And you could just Google search it. We'll include it in the show notes as well. Forbes Business Council. What would be one of the best pieces of advice that you've ever gotten?
3: Ooh, just in general or like... Not for your career. Let's keep it career. Okay. (laughs) I think one of the things that we can fall into is forgetting who we're talking to. And I think that so much of marketing and advertising is talking to ourselves You know, either as the ad agency or as the brand or, you know, whoever it is. And I feel like you always want to think about who your customer is and where they're coming from. So, not just from a media perspective, not just, you know, what websites are they on or what shows are they watching, but what do they need to hear? And, you know, trying to make that interesting for them versus interesting for you. So, talking to your audience rather than talking at them.
0: Join thousands of people in L.A. Tech on our We Are L.A. Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group.